This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. I would normally describe it as just rapid experimentation across the customer journey to improve sustainable growth. How Uber, Dropbox, Airbnb and LinkedIn hacked their growth. I think every company should be should be really thinking about how do they deliver value to their customers. Most marketers who fail aren't failing because they're a bad marketer, they're failing because they have the wrong product. The single piece of advice I would give is just just test more and then as you do that, you'll you'll start to look for ways to improve the effectiveness of that testing and that's that's how you can get much better at it. Welcome to City AM's Unregulated Podcast. I'm Emma Hazlitt. This week, in the wee hours of Pacific time, 8am, it's not the wee hours, Jamie, (laughs) we're joined by the men who coined the term growth hacking. They run the site growthhackers.com, but their model's been used by huge companies including Airbnb, Uber and even Facebook to grow substantially and quickly by breaking away from the traditional marketing model. Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown, welcome. Okay, so first things first, guys, in 10 words or less, what is growth hacking? Morgan, you want to tackle that? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll tackle it, even though Sean's the guy that came up with the word. Um, <laughs> but uh, to me, growth hacking is experiment-driven marketing um, and product development, which really focuses on figuring out which pieces of the product and your marketing efforts uh, create the most growth, and then running through a systematic process to find those wins and constantly experiment and do more and more of that to, to drive growth. So that's probably about 20 words, but <laughs> that's, that's probably where I'd come in. And Sean, are there 10 words that you would like to add, to add to that? I would normally describe it as just rapid experimentation across the customer journey to improve sustainable growth. So, you know, you, you talk about marketing there. So when people talk about you know, hacking, I always think about life hacks, like, you know, freezing grapes to cool down wine or something like that. This is just, this is marketing focused, right? I think uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's customer focused. Okay. Yeah, it goes across the whole customer journey. I think that's really one of the big differences versus kind of a traditional approach to marketing and kind of growing your business is that what Sean said is, you know, this is really focused across the entire customer journey. So from you know, out uh, in a channel, you know, kind of where marketing normally takes place all the way through how you use a product um, and, you know, how a company thinks about retaining its customers and the whole the whole life cycle. All the companies I see mentioned in relation to this are things like Uber, Netflix, Airbnb. Is this just for tech firms? Can, you know, can a guy who owns like a window cleaning company do this? Yeah, I I think every company should be should be really thinking about how do they deliver value to their customers and what is the path from yeah, initially considering you know, something related to that value to, to ultimately experiencing that value. And uh, they should be thinking about how, how can they experiment to improve the number of people who get to that great experience. And so, um, you know, and, and I think it's been happening outside of tech for a long time. Stores move around merchandising a lot to, or merchandise a lot to, to get, you know, to figure out that it's uh, putting diapers and beer next to each other is, uh, is, is, a, is a good formula. Um, so I, I, think, I think it happens a lot. I, what, what's probably different in how we're thinking about it is that 
you want to take a very scientific approach to it and over time start to increase the number of tests that you're running. And really, the, the more tests you run, the more you learn about what's going to work best. And I really like that as an example, actually, merchandising. Um, but I want to take your kind of best known example, I guess, which is Dropbox. And Sean, you were head of marketing at Dropbox. So for listeners who aren't aware of the story, a, a year in, Dropbox was low on cash. It was struggling to gather interest. It had strong competitors that now, to be honest, I've never heard of. Can you, <laughs> can you kind of tell the story, Sean? Sure. Yeah. So it was actually, so they were in development for quite a while on the product. I joined the week that the product publicly launched. So it had a, had a private beta before that. And a big part of my goal was to see, was to basically take something that we saw during the, the private beta was that users who experienced the product in the correct way really loved it. Mm -hmm. And so what we were trying to do was figure out how to how to replicate that and and make it so that the business could could run this rapid experimentation in bringing in new users and uh, and ultimately scaling the business and it started with really just understanding a, a lot about the existing users so segmenting segmenting those users into into buckets of people who came through a shared folder people who came through through a file that that someone had sent to them or people who came through the homepage. Maybe it was just pure normal word of mouth. But um, taking each of these paths that people were coming into the product and figuring out what, what were they hoping to get out of it and ultimately how could we get them to the experience that was going to make them love the product. And, um, and so, yeah, it started with a lot of building in the tracking systems and then uh, running lots of experiments and lots of surveying and usability tests and other things along the way. And, you know, ultimately what I was trying to do, you know, but my, my broader goal was to create a culture there that uh, went beyond the typical, you know, marketing department, product department, you know, where it's, where it's very kind of broken up across that customer journey and instead get everybody in the company focused on how do we create valuable customer experiences and, and be very data driven and experiment driven and, um, what was great is I, I came in specifically for a six month period. That's, that's all I wanted to do was come in and have an interim role. And, um, when I left it, it was another nine months before the next marketer came into wow. the business. And, uh, I came in, it was less than 10 people and, um, and it was all engineers besides myself. And so they continued to run the experiments and grow the business. And, uh, I think it was, it was built into the culture and, the, a foundation that uh, it was just announced in the last couple of months that they're the fastest software as a service company, so SaaS company, to reach the one billion dollar revenue run rate, and uh, a lot of that foundation to support that growth we we established in those first six months. We love a bit of SaaS on this podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and Dropbox. You know, I use it. I, most people that I know use it. Um, one of your great ideas was referrals. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Sure. So one of the things that we saw, so I, I had actually just come off of working with, um, with log me in before that. And so log me in, one of the challenges I'd had at log me in was that, um, we, we were spending a lot of money to drive growth there. I mean, there was still good word of mouth at log me in, but we were spending, you know, millions of dollars a month to, to drive customer growth. And, as we got to 100, 100 million plus users, that money mattered less and less to the growth. So when I got to Dropbox, my, my goal was to 
make it so that our engine of growth was not external spending, but actually our customers. And so the more customers that we had, the bigger our engine of growth would be. And so uh, it would one, it would, what was good is that we already had pretty good word of mouth just from the beginning because the product was great. And then we built a, an incentive structure in where if someone referred uh, the product to someone else, then both sides would get some additional free space. And that that worked really well to drive, uh, you know, to, to accelerate the referrals on there and, and accelerate the overall growth. And now I'm finding that everyone from my uh, real estate agent to Uber is offering me credits for, for referring fans. So it's obviously a model that works. And Morgan, what is the first step if you want to get into growth hacking? The first step is really trying to figure out if it's time to grow or not. And, you know, I think uh, Sean talks a lot about this and it's kind of the the first part of our, our book is really understanding whether your product is is ready to go or not. You know, so many people are anxious to grow, um, whether it's a pressure because they need to make money or pressure because they're trying to raise money. So you're or saying that some people they, just shouldn't grow? Yeah, I think there's definitely Or, or they're just not re- ready to grow. They're not ready to grow. Yeah, there's but not a point that they're, they're not at that point where it's time to kind of pour on the resources for growth. And, and it's really a, a function of whether your product is something that people will love or, you know, or not yet. And, and sometimes products just aren't quite there. Uh, and Sean has a really unique system for kind of identifying or unique process for identifying whether a product delivers what we call a must have experience, you know, so all of the products that you've kind of mentioned already. So the Ubers, the Dropboxes, the Airbnbs, they all deliver an experience that, that we say is must have that when people uh, experience it and use the product, you know, it delivers incredible value to them. Um, and not every product right out of the gate delivers that that level of value where where it's becomes essential to someone. Presumably every entrepreneur thinks my product is must have. Right. So you uh, unfortunately you can't uh, you can't judge it as an entrepreneur. You have to ask your customers and your customers can tell you if it's a must have or not. And so- so you need to survey your customers. Right. But but the way that I've actually surveyed, I mean, if you just asked them, is this, a, is this a must have? I think you wouldn't get a very helpful answer back. So I, I turn it the other way and I, I ask them, how would you feel if you couldn't use the product anymore? And I'm looking at specifically people who say they would be very disappointed. So I give them the choice, very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, not disappointed, or, or I don't even use it anymore. If you see enough people saying that they would be very disappointed, then then you know that you have something that that ultimately you can build a foundation where you can retain those customers long term. I mean, it sounds it's you know when you talk about it, it sounds really obvious. How many companies it is, it's super actually logical. do it? I think that's yeah. People have been overthinking this for a while. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <Go> ahead. <laughs> no, so you know, um, again, referring to the same companies: Uber, Netflix, Airbnb. I find I'm being asked to rate things constantly. Is this why? Is it is it because of you, Sean? Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of a tactic in a sense. It's almost a quality control piece to those products. Most marketers who fail aren't failing because they're a bad marketer. They're failing because they have the wrong product. So that's the starting point is just to find find a product that actually has that initial user passion. But just just on that passion alone, products don't grow. What you need to be able to do is 
is essentially define how how is that how is that user passion created? How is that customer um, reaching a valuable experience with the product and figuring out a way to quantify that value, which in in growth hacking we call a north star metric. And then the experimentation part is is really about finding ways to improve that 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 value, that North Star metric. Can you give me some examples of these experiments that you're talking about? Yeah. So so one from my log me in days that we you know, one that was a really kind of breakthrough experiment for us. We had uh, something that sent in about 20,000 new people a day. And the majority of those people. So it's 200,000 visited the site. 20,000 signed up for the product, then the majority of those people did not download the product. So over 90% of them just disappeared at that point. They didn't do the download. And so we ran experiments. So like kind of typical experiments would be, you know, a bigger download button. Okay. Maybe they just didn't see the download. So let's run a bigger download button or let's put a uh, more compelling message. Let's highlight that it's free or whatever it is. And when we were doing these experiments, nothing really moved the needle very much. It didn't improve. But fortunately for us, they had filled out a registration form. So we had their email address and we just sent them out. It, you know, we had 19,000 plus people a day whose emails uh, we had who didn't download the product. So we could just ask them, why did you sign up for this and not download the product? And the feedback we were getting was that uh, it was they didn't believe it was free. And so mm-hmm. when we knew what the problem was, our next experiment actually tripled the download rate. So and the, the next experiment free. was we, we just gave them the choice of two buttons, download the free version or download a trial of the paid version. And the psychology was that when they saw there was a trial of a paid version, suddenly the free version seemed real incredible. And so it's just it's a really it's it's hard to get to that point, but you can see it took lots of experiments and, and understanding of the situation to figure out how to make that work. Hey, Emma Hazlitt with two T's here. And as we're talking about hacking growth, it's clear what the power of word of mouth is. With Audio Boom, we're on a mission to champion podcast behaviour. Like when you see random people giggle for no reason, whether it's on the platform or in the office. Chances are they're listening to a podcast. It's not strange behaviour, it's podcast behaviour, and it's a joy to watch. So listen to podcasts, have a proper lol moment, and next time you see it happen in the office, ask your colleague what they're listening to. You might find your new favourite podcast. So you guys talk a lot about ditching traditional marketing methods. Why is that? So it's not so much ditching traditional marketing. I think traditional marketing is really good. But it's about recognizing that growth, growth extends beyond the sphere of influence of most marketing departments. It, the, the most powerful levers of growth actually sit in the product team. And product teams are not usually set up to run experiments to improve growth numbers. And so what you've seen at Facebook and some of these other teams is they've put uh, growth teams in place to manage the process. I, Morgan, you want to explain kind of how the growth team works? Yeah, I do want to talk about growth teams. Morgan, yeah, ab- go ahead. Right, absolutely. Well, I think, yeah, like to Sean's point, um, too often marketing teams are siloed away from some of the biggest opportunities to grow, right? So a marketing team might be responsible for running Facebook ads or putting together events, but they don't have the opportunity to say, 
work with the product team on on that first user experience that Sean was talking about. You know, just the organizational structure and responsibility set doesn't allow for that collaboration, which really hurts growth in in our opinion. And so what we've found is that in companies like Facebook and Uber and Airbnb um, is are these cross-functional teams, these collaborative teams called the growth teams. And, and growth teams are made up of people from the marketing department, the product uh, team, the engineering team, the design and user experience team, the, the data uh, and analytics team. And, and this group of people works together across that entire customer lifecycle to identify the biggest growth opportunities and then run experiments to see if they're right. So you know, rather than marketers just having to focus on, hey, we should run more Facebook ads, these growth teams look at it and say, hey, you know, if we adjust our pricing, um, can we improve the conversion rate of people coming and trying the product? Or if we change the first user experience a little bit to highlight some of the features that appear to be the ones that people really love the most, can that improve the retention of our customers and keep them around longer? And so it's a much more holistic view of where the biggest growth opportunities lie within a company, um, which is not something you tr see in kind of a traditional setup. Just to use, you know, to, to provide an example of what a growth team is and what it does, um, LinkedIn has grown its growth team, which is very good news for them, um, from 15 to 120. What, what are these people doing every day? Yeah, so uh, in LinkedIn's case, um, and, and as your growth team gets very large, uh, like the ones at LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Uber and whatnot, they each have... I suggest they're doing their jobs right. Right. They, yeah, they have specialties with, within those. So, for example, um, at, at LinkedIn, you might have a team working solely on the invites and the referrals. You know, so LinkedIn works very much... Uh, you know, uses that referral mechanism where if, if you've joined, then you should get your colleagues to join. And and so that section of their team is working on optimizing, you know, the the emails that get sent out, you know, to invite people to join. But all of their time, it goes into optimizing each step of that referral process to maximize the growth that it delivers. So, um, you know, and we see the same thing at Pinterest where they have, you know, four different units of their growth team and they have these impossibly small or impossibly narrow tasks. But because they're so narrow and so focused, they're able to run many, many experiments to to make the most uh, of those opportunities, um, whether they're in referral or uh, virality or um, organic uh, search. But each of those focus areas, they run experiments over and over and over again to find the, the most gains and the biggest wins. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, tech companies. What about Walmart that has a growth team that you mentioned? What are, what are they doing every day? Yeah, so very much very much the same type of thing is, is kind of looking at the customer lifecycle and looking for new opportunities to grow. So, for example, um, the Walmart growth team they they obviously have huge amounts of data uh, at their at their disposal, customer data, pricing data, competitive data, data from their from their suppliers, and what they're able to do is um, leverage that data 
across many different aspects of their company to find wins. So one specific example is uh, they found um, that they're obviously they spend a lot on search engine marketing. So running ads on Google and Bing and and what they found, the growth team found, is that um, many times uh, they would be bidding for you know, the, the first position on Google, the most expensive ad they could buy, um, when maybe they didn't have the lowest priced item. Um, and that was just kind of a function of, you know, the search team working over on one side of the house and their, you know, their merchandising and supply team on the other. And so the growth team connected the data between the two different sources. And so the search team now would only buy that most expensive ad when they clearly had the superior price. And it instantly gave them a massive boost in the return on their investment for their for their search spend, which is millions and millions of dollars every month. The impression that I'm getting here is that you're kind of building a small business within a big business. Work. So one, one business within a business that, that didn't work that you guys mentioned is Google Glass. What could they have done differently? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a case of a must-have product, um, you know, and and um, not having a product that enough people love and want. And I think there's lots of examples uh, of of products like that where, you know, whether it's an internal initiative to really push out a product that's not quite ready, or it's an entrepreneur who um, just wants to get the word out about something that they've built that's not quite. Um, at that must-have uh, level, uh, I think that's what you see with Google Glass and the Amazon phone and and many other products that you you never even hear about. It, it definitely it didn't look cool, did it? The Google Glass. I feel like that was its biggest <laughs> you know, downfall. I, I I did own a pair, but it oh, uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to ask again. Yes, I'm one of those uh, you know, bleeding heart early adopters that has a drawer full of every piece of technology ever invented. But, to be fair, yeah, you do live in California. Cool. I can't blame you. So before we finish, uh, one last question, which is, you know, if, if our listeners want to start hacking their growth right now, what is the one thing they need to do? Unfortunately, it's not just a it's not just a one thing. But um, if if there was one piece that. of advice I was going to give, no uh, that, that. If there's one thing they should go walk away with. It, it would be test more, you know, quantify the number of tests that you're running. And just most companies would just benefit from doing a lot more testing. We've covered a lot around, you know, make sure that you have a product that's actually in a place where it can retain and, and grow users. Uh, and then you want to be more scientific about how you run those tests. But um, the single piece of advice I would give is just just test more. And then as you do that, you'll you'll start to look for ways to improve the effectiveness of that testing. And that's that's how you can get much better at it. Well, Sean and Morgan, we will leave you with that thought. Thank you so much for coming on today. With thanks to Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown, plus podcast producer Jamie Wareham, this has been City AM's Unregulated Podcast. We're going to give you a proper lol moment like we talked about earlier, so stay tuned. But also, subscribe in all the usual places. You know them, but we're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Audioboom, and anywhere with RSS. Remember, email advertising at audioboom.com. Our audience is millennial, ABC One, and super engaged. And last but not least, did you hear about the man who stole a calendar? He got 12 months. Not doing it for you? Two penguins walk into a bar. 
which is stupid because the second one should have seen it. Tweet me at Emma Hazlitt with two T's with a better joke for me to tell next week. Thanks and see you next week. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.